Hi, man. This is Mike Young with Noble Warriors, and I want to welcome you to the Noble Man podcast, episode number 23. Our topic today is the noble man serves in the kingdom. And I'm delighted to have as my guests today quite a few guys. Uh, and I have a unique relationship with these men. They are the board members of Noble Warriors. And so we're going to hear from these guys about how they serve in the kingdom, how they've been discipled, how they invest in others. And uh, so we just want to engage this conversation. It's a, it's a cool way for me to be able to introduce to you guys who have invested in this ministry and my life and um, let them stand as examples to all of us as we talk about how the noble man serves in the kingdom. So let's let's go around the table first. And guys, would you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your family, where you are in life, and um, maybe how you got connected with Noble Warriors. And then we'll talk about your church connections uh, in the next go round. So Jeff, why don't you start us off? Hi, this is Jeff Robinson. I am, a, I guess I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm going to have three uh, children, if you call them children now, because they're all teenage or older, um, and been connected with Noble Warriors um, through the conference, and um, just was really excited about the conference, and um, hosted the conference at our church for a few years, and have just really enjoyed um, the relationship that I built with Mike and the Noble Warriors team. So looking forward to this discussion. Cool. Hi, this is Rich Babbitt. I live here in Midlothian with my wife, Kathy. We have three adult children, and I've been associated with Noble Warriors almost the entire time since Mike began. Um, he pursued me uh, in a relationship as when I was a men's ministry leader. And I invited you out on a date, remember? Uh, something like that. <laughs> he pursued me in a relationship. Please don't use that language in men's ministry anymore. <laughs> so he, we worked we worked together. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> and he introduced Neville Warriors to our church. <laughs> All righty. This is David Romick uh, and uh, my wonderful wife, Amy, and I've got three kids. Uh, I am what I would call a classic empty nester. Uh, one out of college and two in college. I uh, live here in Midlothian, Virginia, and uh, I came in contact with Noble Warriors. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have Mike as my Sunday school teacher for a number of years, and uh, part of the way to stay in the class was to volunteer uh, at the Noble Warriors conferences. So uh, my wife and I have been uh, fortunate enough to be working with uh, Mike and the folks at Noble Warriors for a number of years now. Uh, I'm Greg. Uh, I'm Greg Beecham. Um, uh, I have a lovely wife, um, Tony. We've been married for 27 years, and I have three children, one son and two daughters. Uh, my youngest is a senior in high school this year, so I'm close to being an empty nester, but they're coming back, though. Um, <laughs> and so I, I met Mike. We were struggling at our church. With some, I was struggling with some things in our men's ministry, how to think and how to work some things out. So I reached out to him. I started coming to the conferences. And I constantly chased him down for, I think it been about two or three years, constantly calling him, asking him questions. And that's how I got involved with Noble Warriors. I've been with them for seven, eight years now. Um, um, have served, um, done some of the conferences, taught some of the conferences, sessions, workshop sessions anyway. And uh, just been a great joy to be on the board and be with these guys um, during this time. Awesome. And I guess I'll swing around and, and wrap this up. I'm Todd Christian. Um, no Mike for 
20 plus years now, uh, actually, actually before the foundation, no warriors. Uh, my wife, Charlotte and I have one beautiful daughter who, and a son-in-law and a granddaughter, uh, who all live out of state right now. So that, that's always a challenge, but, uh, been part of the ministry here um, with No Warriors, do several different things. As Greg mentioned, I've been involved in the conferences uh, throughout uh, all the years and um, also do some of the technical help uh, here at the office sometimes um, when they have a tendency to break things. Um, <laughs> so they get me involved in that. But uh, just really enjoy the men's ministry and, and what Mike does uh, in this whole organization. Not just Mike, but really the whole organization yeah. as a whole uh, of what these guys do out here with Noble Warriors. But it's it's been a blast for about 20 years now. You know, thanks, guys. One of the things that is, is fun for me is I could go around the table and tell stories of interaction with, with all of these guys. And so I'm just thankful not only that you serve the ministry, but that you're friends and uh, that we enjoy hanging out and uh, having our meetings together and, and the fellowship is just a bunch of fun. But, but part of the reason you're here and part of the board of Noble Warriors is uh, not just because you're friendly, not just because you have certain skills, but because you really believe in the mission of Noble Warriors. And that is to, to serve the local church as they equip men to walk with Christ and lead well. And each of you have your own stories about being equipped through the local church and how you are continuing to involve yourself in that way. So um, let, let's go backwards around this time and tell us what your church involvement has looked like. How have you personally been involved in, in serving the local church? And I'll, I'll set that up with this. Our one question survey from last week asked how guys were serving in the local church. Uh, most of the people who responded said that they were involved as a small group leader. Um, next was being involved in some sort of ministry outside the church. Other was a big option, but uh, deacon or elder or greeter, security team, some guys involved in music, um, a few guys involved in children's team ministry. And, and, and I'm curious about the children's ministry because, man, that's when men's ministry and the local church really get strong when we see men engaged with serving in all areas of the local church. So Todd, kick us off. How, how have you served in the local church and how are you serving now? And, and what church do you attend? Yeah, first of all, all the above for me, it seems like over the last 20 some years, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up as a teenager in a local church uh, with a very strong influence of a, a male influence of a gentleman that, that raised me. Um, but through that, you know, I've dipped, I've, Put my toe in just about everything. Uh, a lot of it's technical, as, as I mentioned earlier, and that's that's a lot of what I do. But also, um, you know, we've done youth ministry. My wife and I've done youth ministry back when we were young and could move a little bit more and didn't have the aches and pains <laughs> that we had today. So that that's been a blast over the years. Uh, we've done, um, you know, like I said, music stuff over the years. My daughter's a musician and, and, and has done some singing, so we were obviously involved in that. But most recently, Mike, you asked what church. Uh, I'm, I'm part of Vertical Church out of the Short Pump area here in Richmond. And again, got back into some of the media. But one of the coolest things you mentioned was getting into the children's ministry, three, four, and five-year-olds. And boy, you're talking about exercise. That's where you get your exercise with three, four, and five-year-olds in a class. And we've had a we've had a good time. We were really, you know, obviously COVID hit and a lot of that shut down then. But we really miss our three, four, and five-year-olds because they're they're just a fun age and yeah. it's such a development age. And so we've enjoyed a little bit of, it seems like every little part of ministry somewhere within the local church in the 32 years that we've been married. 
Yeah. So it's been pretty cool. Awesome. You know, I just I just have to Todd and I our relationship goes back twenty plus years to another church where I occasionally got to speak there, and Todd always gave me a hard time because I would hand him a thumb drive as I was walking up to the front of the church and say, hey, do you think you could have this loaded by the time I get up there and pray? <laughs> so we've been shucking and jiving <laughs> for a long time. All right, Greg, tell us your story. Um, I, I've been, well, matter of fact, this year I celebrate 20 years as a senior pastor of a rural church. Uh, I pastor a church called Little Zion Baptist Church. Um, with 153 years of history. And so it's been quite interesting and it's been a learning experience. Um, matter of fact, today is my spiritual birthday. Um, 42 wow. years ago, I gave my life to the Lord. And one of the instrumental parts of it was my pastor that kind of fed into me um, everything that he fed the word into me, encouraged me, strengthened me, um, during even during some of my difficult times in my teen years. Um, I have served in almost every capacity. First, uh, I'm a lot like Todd. First thing my pastor asked me to do is teach these three-year-olds. <laughs> now, you, you're talking about fun. Um, they don't sit still, but you're supposed to teach them the Bible. And so that was kind of interesting to have 30 of them um, at one time. And so that's how I started off in ministry. But the thing that's interesting now um, at Little Zion, uh, a couple things we got going on at the church, the three things I'm going to mention real quick, is we have a fatherhood program. We meet every Thursday. And that started through the, actually through the county, through the, uh, they fund it and everything. Matter of fact, we just kicked back up after, been shut down for a few months because it's COVID. And so we just kicked it back up again. Just last week, we had our first meeting back. And so that's been interesting. And they have funded it. And uh, we've been really been a blessing to the county because we've been able to really pour into some men, some young men in that. But also at the church, uh, one of the things I did about four or five years ago, I joined the male course. Uh, <laughs> I love this story. I, I, I'm not a big singer, y'all. But well, he ain't no singer at all, from what we hear. <laughs> um, I'm not a big singer at all. But one of my deacons, he kept saying, "Pastor, you got to be part of the men." And in the church where we are, if you really want to be part of the church, you got to be part of the choir. And matter of fact, all the men are in the choir. But I was, well, I was holding back. I said, "Guys, I come to the meetings, come to the rehearsals, but I'm not singing." On one Sunday, they said, hey, we got you a suit. You won't look like us. You won't dress. On next thing, I'm in the choir. And and um, it's been a blessing to be there because every time you turn around, they say, Pastor, will you pray? Pastor, <laughs> would you do this or whatever? So I'm interconnecting and getting a, it's been a great relationship to be able to be connected to the men. But I can't sing, y'all. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so that's been interesting. And the last piece we do is uh, we have our men's ministry fellowship. Um, where the men come, but those basically the guys in the choir are the same group that come. And matter of fact, because we, I'm in the choir, they'll come to that where they wouldn't normally come. And so it's been blessed. It's been blessed. And uh, I've done everything in the church. Um, like I said, I'm a senior pastor of a church now, of the church now, but I've done everything from sweep floors to everything. It's been a blessing. I, 42 years of serving the Lord, I just thank God that someone poured into me, and now I'm trying to pour into others. That's awesome. You know, I, one of the things I want to say about Greg in um, and plant a seed for some of you guys, his church, he talks about their, their church having this, this manhood program, a fatherhood program that the county funds. And what a cool scenario that the church actually is teaching fatherhood and manhood principles um, on behalf of the county. And um, it's a great way to develop relationships with folks who would never come to the church. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're yeah. interested at all in that, uh, hit us up and I can connect you with Greg and you can ask him to sing if you'd like. But <laughs> I don't know. I hit a note or two for you. <laughs> David. Yeah, uh, so I currently attend Parkway Baptist Church and uh, currently serving in a number of different areas. Uh, pastoral service team, also known as the deacons, uh, supporting both the pastor but also uh, the, the members of the church in whatever way is necessary. Uh, but over the years, uh, my wife and I have served across multiple areas. Uh, in a previous church, we acted as uh, essentially interim youth leaders uh, when their uh, church was looking to replace their uh, uh, their youth pastor. I have, uh, have have essentially grown up in the church. I had mm-hmm. uh, I was privileged to grow up with a grandfather who was a uh, Baptist preacher for fifty plus years, uh, and then uh, my mom was the uh, pianist or musician for church. So since the time I was walking, if the church doors were open, I was inside. And so as a result, uh, there's been uh, no lack of uh, being involved. Uh, And then also around the community. Uh, Mm -hmm. What's been really cool is not just in the church, but being able to to get men together uh, Mm -hmm. in small group. Uh, and that's where, you know, the relationships build. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know our the small group that I was a member of for four or five years uh, was really cool uh, because out of the 12, uh, I think we represented, well, now represented 10 different churches. I think when we started, uh, I think we had three guys in that group that uh, were actually attending church. Yeah. Um, but uh, two of them ended up as a result, you know, four or five years later, actually heading up men's ministry in the church that they're now attending. Uh, so, but a, but an awesome opportunity uh, to to look for opportunities to build relationship. And, you know, again, just the personal stories. I'm aware of marriages that have been saved because of those men you've invested in. I mean, we've had testimonies given at some of our events. And um, so that it just powerful, the small groups that get together that aren't necessarily from one church, but it's it's kingdom, kingdom mm-hmm. focus. Mm-hmm. So, Rich. So I attend a PCC Church. Uh, I've been involved in ministry and leadership and discipleship probably all my adult life. In my 20s, I led uh, a kids group on Wednesday nights, and that's the last mm-hmm. I led kids groups. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but since then, I've always been involved somehow in ministry or leadership in the churches I've attend, attended. Um, my wife and I actually met as part of a single parent ministry. We were both single parents at the time, and we served together and uh got married and continued serving single parents for probably another two years after that and led some divorce workshops for single parents and just got really involved in the raw part of uh, their um, emotional times. Uh, then I went on to move to get involved in men's ministry. Um, and at that time I met Mike and got involved in Noble Warriors. And then I began leading men's groups and small groups uh, using authentic manhood, which has now turned to 33, and I've been doing that for probably 10 years and led different groups of men and um, at all stages of life, old, young, single, divorced, everything. And it's just neat seeing uh, the hunger that men have for some stability and some, 
some maturity in their own life. So it's, it's been uh, quite a neat experience. It continues to be. Um, and I'll say that Noble Warriors has so many tools available to help a men's ministry. Um, all you need to do is knock on the door and we are here for you. Well, thanks for saying that, Rich. And, and one of the things that's really cool about your story of late is you spent, what, two years in Tennessee? Correct. So so Rich moved with his job and, and to be a little bit closer to family for a season and launched men's ministry in Johnson City, Tennessee and was leading 33 groups and investing in people out there. And so, guys, I just, I just love how when, when God raises us up, it doesn't make any difference where he puts us we need to go to work. If, if we're men that have been trained and, yep. and anointed for some work, then you can't sit idly by. You got to get involved and get your hands dirty and be part of what's going on in folks' lives. So love that about Rich and, and just the story of he and Kathy meeting as they were serving together is huge too. I run into people from time to time who remember you guys leading those groups. Yep. And it's just very fun. Yep. Thanks for serving. Jeff? <clears throat> Hi, I'm Jeff Robinson again, um, a member of St. Paul's Baptist Church, um, where I serve on the deacon board there. Um, but my, uh, my men's ministry experience started in men's Bible study when um, Ralph Hodge, actually he's the pastor of Second Baptist Church now, was teaching uh, the men's ministry at St. Paul's. And it just really, that's what really kind of cuffed me into a deeper relationship with God through men. Um, from that, I kind of had a, a one season where they did allow me to sing in the choir. Um, <laughs> um, however, if you know St. Paul's is a huge church, and I had to stand all the way in the back corner away from every microphone, so I knew that was not my calling. Um, but then I joined what we called the Starts Ministry, which was our new members ministry, and I purposely um, requested that I have only men in my group. And... Um, and so I would walk them through at that point. It was a, um, I think it was either eight or 12 week program um, where we discipled new members into the church. And that started um, a men's ministry at St. Paul's. And I remember very vividly, and I'm saying this specifically for men who may start a group, the first men's ministry group meeting that I led, and um, I was so excited and I had prepared and I showed up. I didn't have a babysitter, so my daughter was with me. <laughs> and we were the only ones at the meeting, my daughter and I. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but God blessed that time. And um, by the time that season had transitioned, we had a conference where um, we were leading a group of about 500 men. Wow. Um, where we had, you know, off-sites. We had prayer breakfasts and the whole nine. Um so parlay that to now um, walking as a deacon and then um, just leading men's groups and capturing um, men wherever you see them and say, hey, man, we're doing this group and not being afraid to really expose yourself to leadership because this, um, leadership will expose you um, to exactly who you are. And you yeah. got to be comfortable with um, allowing God to do the leading and you kind of riding shotgun. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, um, we lead um, a men's ministry group now. We've had the same group for probably over 10 years now. Um, and the church has been shut down since March. Um, 
I am so proud to say that our guys never stop meeting. We 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 have zoomed <laughs> since the first week. We make sure we see each other every week. Um, right now, we are supporting. Um, we're doing um, grocery giveaways every week at both our um, um, Creighton campus and at our Belt campus. Our our group meets at the Belt campus every week. We shift all the boxes. You know, seven hundred boxes a week. Um, you know, unloading the truck, and it's just a time of fellowship. You know, yeah. masked up, gloved up, and just trying to make sure that people get their food because you would just be amazed how many people would just show up um, for these boxes. And I was just amazed to see us get rid of like 600 boxes in like 45 minutes. So, um, you know, God is still working even in this season when we're not in our normal position. This is the exact time when God is allowing you to see what he wants you to do and to focus on what he needs you to do um, so that he can bless whatever that is. But in, in our case, it is men. It has been men for years. Um, and I'm just really excited about what it will be with men. And so um, that's kind of where I am right now. That's awesome. Love, love the fact that you've got continuity in what you're doing mm-hmm. and that you've had so many different experiences there. And I, I, I love the, the fact that when you started that first meeting and didn't get the response that you had hoped for, mm-hmm. you didn't give up. And, and, and so I just want to affirm that, guys. I talk to men all the time who say, hey, there's not enough guys signed up, so we're not going to do it. Well, that's, that, that's downright foolish. Um, it, stop it. It, it. it doesn't make any difference how many people show up. When you cancel something, then the next time you know what they're expecting for you to cancel it. So press in and press on. Man, if one person shows up, there is no better teaching scenario than one-on-one. So give that one person all you've got. I, I just affirm that. I'm so excited to hear how God, um, how God multiplied that and grew it. Um, sometimes, guys, we give up too easily in our services um, and investments. Now, I, I, I thought of another question here, and some of you have kind of alluded to this already, but um, generally when we look around, we are watching some other guys. And, and there are men in our lives who we've seen serve in such a way and, and sacrifice in such a way that they are exemplary men in our lives. Now, it's my hope that all of us will live in such a way that there's some people watching us. But for right now, I'm curious, who set the pace for you? Who, who did you watch as a young man at some point and you say, gosh, I... I'm excited to, I want to have a marriage like that, or I want to have a reputation like that. I want to, I want to serve like that. I want to be God's man like I see Mr. So-and-so. So, so let's split and we'll go in different, different directions. David, who, who was an exemplary man in your life? The person that I, and I try not to choke up on this, but the, the person who had the biggest influence on me was my grandfather. Mm. Uh, and so as a, a, a pastor, um, he was an incredible example to me. Um, but when he retired, uh, after some poor health, he moved here to Midlothian and where I learned the most was with him being nearby. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult to, to pick any specific lessons or anything like that, but some of the three things that, that, I will never forget. Number one, my grandmother passed away of Alzheimer's. And for years, she didn't know who anybody was. 
he loved her and took care of her without question. Yeah. And to me, that was just, that was just him. I, we would go on trips. We went on a, a trip to Alaska. I, my grandfather knew that he was here to save souls. Hmm. I would watch him in less than five minutes. You could put a stopwatch. If he had five minutes with somebody, there was going to be a gospel conversation. We were in a car on the way from the airport to the rental car agency. Three questions, boom, gospel conversation taking place. I mean, it just, that's who he was. That's who he was. And then the last piece was, um, as he was getting older, I started, he gave me his library and a lot of his books and things like that. And we would be driving. I would always pick him up and take him to church on Sundays. And I would be talking to him about some books, D.L. Moody, Iron, Dr. Ironside, some of those types of things. And I would ask him, wanting to get theological with him, questions. And what was amazing was, is that he would always turn the conversation to the relationships that he had with those pastors. So he was a he was a peer with a number of those. My goodness. And he was always about the relationships. He would say, Oh, that's all interesting what they wrote, but let me tell you about them as individuals. And so those three things were the the biggest things that I took away from the relationship from with my grandfather and seeing him at different stages of his life. Uh, and understanding that being a pastor is a is one thing. But recognizing that through everything, it permeated his character was really impactful for me. Wow. That's cool. And, and one of the things that struck me is you were close to him. When he, when he came and lived and you could be close to him. And boy, that's uh, we watch people from afar sometimes, but when we can be life on life, mm -hmm. and that's really cool. All right, Greg, who was an example to you? There's several, there's several individuals that were close to me, but much like um, Dave, my grandfathers, both my grandfathers were pastors, and they both had, uh, um, I, I have to call them two out most, because one of, one of my grandfathers, my, my grandmother had lupus, and um, and they was going to bring, I, I'll never forget this, I was a teenager, I was just going to start college, I came, I, my fact, I went to college in Pennsylvania, where my grandparents live, um, leaving, leaving Virginia, leaving Richmond, Virginia area to go to be around them for college. I came home, or I, yeah, I came home to be with them for um, a weekend. And they was getting ready to bring a nurse in. They said they had to bring hospice in. And he told them they could not come. This is my wife. I'm going to bathe her. I'm going to take care of her but until death of her. That right there stamped the way I was going to do marriage, mm -hmm. stamped the way I was going to do, deal with my children. And I never forgot that. Matter of fact, I tell that story everywhere I go. I told my son so many times, say, hey, man, this is how you do it. And then my other grandfather was the one that I used to go and lay on his floor. I used to drive when I was in the military. I was in I was stationed at Pope Air Force Base in North Carolina. I drive all the way to Pennsylvania, took my leave. My mom said, you going to come see me? I said, I'll come see you after I go see Granddad. And I'll go see <laughs> I'm him. I'm sure that went over well. Oh, she, she didn't mind because the fact that well, I'll go just to lay in the floor and just listen to him talk. Wow. I used to sit there and listen to him talk for about, I'd go over there and hang out there for about a week. Mm -hmm. I, and I'll just follow him 
I get in the car with him. He takes me where he's going. If he's going to the church, he's a pastor, whatever. He's hanging out with people. I would just go and eat lunch with him and everything. And he in the evenings, he'd be sitting there. He'd just start talking, and I'd just listen. Mm-hmm. And um, they both, um, I miss them so much even today because the stamp on on from them on us, even my brothers, both my brothers are pastors or in the ministry now because of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he just really did. They just did something to us as they spoke life into us. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably the two most significant men. But there have been so many in my life because one of the things my pastor did say is this, or my, one of my professors said when I was going through college, he said, when you find a trait in someone, imitate it. Um, pull from all this good in everybody. And if you see something good in someone, so there's been a whole lot. I've learned a lot from my deacons in my church because yeah. many of them older than I am. And I've stolen, I stole information from them. They said, thank you for what you've done for me. But I also said, thank you for what you've done for me. Yeah. So, wow. it's a lot. Now, Todd, you mentioned the name earlier uh, of a guy who invested. Now, your, your father passed when you were like five years old, I think. Yeah, correct? I was six uh, when my dad passed. So we obviously at that age didn't have a relationship, um, you know. And so I had a I had an uncle who stepped in. Actually, he was my father's sister's husband so really my blood uncle you know was an uncle by marriage and a really cool godly guy that uh, stepped in and took me under his wing um as as i was growing up in early years and uh he you know talking about imitation greg he was the kind of guy you really wanted to imitate you know because what he did is he just lived life like christ lived life and he wasn't perfect yeah. right he wasn't perfect but he would bring things back around to a, a you know, to a to a Christ-centered way of doing things. And uh, he was very service-oriented. I think that's probably where I got a lot of my service orientation from because he was a doer for people. Um, so through the early life, that set the stage. And then later in life, as I got married, obviously my father-in-law, who's 91, believe it or not, just turned 91 last week, who's, by the way, home bailing hay this afternoon <laughs> so anyway he he's there out cutting hay and bailing hay today um while i'm here but he you know just the work ethic of that gentleman and the way he lives life has been an inspiration in my adult life so i've had i've been very blessed even though i didn't have a father i've had two really strong father figures through you know i won't say how old i am um how all of my ages that i am and so that's been really a cool and then like you said, it's been a lot of just uh, external guys. You mentioned the, the men's group choir. Just a lot of external guys that I've been able to get to know over the years that have filled that void of really not having that, that earthly father in play. So that's been pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Rich, who would you say has been a model for you uh, over the years? So probably several people, but probably the person that I think I like to emulate and was a role model for me was the pastor who married Kathy and I, Pastor Philip Hunt. Yeah. Uh, I served with him probably maybe eight or ten years uh, in leadership positions and alongside of him. But the thing that impacted me was his heart. He wasn't a pastor to people. He was a minister with people. Mm -hmm. And he came alongside people so many times. um, When we he helped open the door to allow me and others to do the single parent ministry when a lot of churches didn't 
even deal with singles, and he really allowed the um, the stage to minister and minister along with people. And he taught me that when you minister to people, one of the best characteristics is to listen. Mm. Just listen to the heart. And he did that with me. He did that with the the membership of the church. Uh, and it taught me how to also minister. And that's, that's how I love to minister with people is come alongside them, listen to them, let them talk, let them bleed a little bit, let them tell their heart, and then um, then respond or not respond at all. You'd be amazed what happens when you lead lead people, especially men, and all they need to do is just voice all that anger and voice all that emotion that's in them and just put it either on paper or put it into words. That's good. Good, good stuff. Yes, I, I remember Philip Hunt mm-hmm. at, at Swift Creek. Jeff, who was an exemplary guy for I, I know you got four or five of them, if not more. So who who would you say? Well, I would say it like this. Um, um, my father was not there when I was growing up. And so my experience is probably a little more nomadic. Yeah. So I see it as more seasonal where mm-hmm. there are different seasons. And just as we as you guys have been talking different faces and names yeah. have just been um, flowing through my, my mind. Um, one is a, a man um, named uh, Clarence Buddy Lewis. Um, uh, Clarence Sr. and uh, Junior and I went to school together, so we were buds. But he took in all of the neighborhood guys. And um, he was like, um, it's ironic, because he was like one of the, they were one of the few people that I remember that really had both parents that yeah. were um, living at home. But he, he purposefully invested in us and, you know, taught us how to tie ties and, you know, taught us how to handle business at the grocery store or wherever, made sure that we had opportunities to get jobs when, you know, when we were growing up. So I really remember him just investing in us and, Probably about three years ago, we went back. All of us went back and celebrated their um, their wedding anniversary. And he just cried when he saw all of us there. He hadn't seen us in probably wow. over thirty <laughs> years. Um, so I remember him. And then I remember my my brother in law, Arthur Bushrod, Junior. Um, um, Ar- Artie was um, he was just a man's man, hunting and fishing and fixing car engines and raising a family. Um, he they raised an incredible family, yeah. um, and I just was able to kind of glean from them, and you know, they took me in kind of as a as a brother, and they never even um, he and my uh, sister rest rest both of their souls. Um, they just took me in, and they poured into me, and they made sure that I understood what it meant to be a parent, and yeah. made sure that they poured into my kids. I remember them doing things for. Um, you know, my kids when they were smaller and just making sure that, you know, they were in positions that they needed to be in that I would not have known was necessary. So him and then my father-in-law, Gregory Hicks, um, because he was the largest man that I had probably ever met in my life. (laughs) And you're a big guy. Yeah. And I walked in, I was like, oh my God, I'm never marrying this woman. Um, (laughs) Greg must have been about six, eight. And oh my goodness! Huge, yeah, a huge man. But he was um, 
very affirming, but he, and, and very um, he he would observe, and you know I would hear, but he it was only direct when it needed to be direct, and but it was always um, showing me, you know, and and really growing me. These are the things you're gonna you're gonna need to have a barber. You're gonna need to have a mechanic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it just starts make sure you, you know, just stuff that sticks in your mind. Um and then now um You don't one, need a barber now. No, not now. I cut my <laughs> I cut my own hair now because I cut his. When when he was sick with cancer, he was like, go in and cut my hair. I was like, You sure you want this? Uh, <laughs> but um and then now, um, one of the guys in my group, um, Henry King. Um, Mr. King is 85 years old. Wow. And um, he is so honorable. He walks with a regal walk um, to, the, to, the, to the point where his neighbor, they live down here in Mosley, but his neighbor saw how he carried himself and how he um, interacted with his family and how they interacted together. His neighbor like became closer with God because of his walk. And I just, that's something that I always want to aspire to, you know, to grow into when you don't have to, you don't have to preach the gospel. You live it. Yeah. And because you live it, somebody else wants to be, wants to know exactly what you know and why are you doing the things the way that you do and have that influence. But those people, there are so many more. Right. But those are four. And because of time, I won't try to dig out the rest. But, um, yeah, and, and just growing in, in, in the way that I was, and I would have been a very wild guy, trust me. Um, but God has always planted people in my space to make sure that I was guided in the direction that he wanted me to go. You know, that that's huge. God, putting those people in your place and the timing of that, you know, part of what I love about your story is that some of these people helped you not only with spiritual development, but with very practical things in life. And boy, we sure need help with the practical stuff in life, don't we? Because um, we can we can miss it. And sometimes I'm fearful that in the church, I'm, I'm going to get myself maybe in a little bit of trouble here, but in the church, we spend a lot of time dealing with the theology and all that stuff. And we, we struggle with making it practical enough for men to be able to go out and live well and honorably in the community. And um, so there, I, I'm, I'm not minimizing the, the theology and doctrine or any of that stuff. Men need to be discipled to, to, to develop spiritual maturity. But, man, you can make a lot of progress in that realm by helping people with, with practical issues in their lives. Is that a fair Amen. statement? Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Right. So <clears throat> I, I, here's what I want to do, guys. I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 3, a section about the qualifications of elders and deacons. And, and I want you to just go around the table here. We'll, we'll make this maybe our final thing. Um, tell me about an area where you feel like I could use some growth. And, and because one of the things that I would love for us to say about this is None of us have arrived at this, this perfection. We, we are not Christ. Um, he is the perfect one. And, and I love that, man, if we're left to our own devices, we're going to go rogue. Our, our flesh is going to take us to some bad places and do some bad things. But let me just list, read this um, because this is Tim, uh, Paul's instructions to Timothy about who to select for leadership in the local church. And you guys are leaders. 
but we all still have things to work on. So just what would you think of that you say, you know what, I still need some work on that, and, and I'm watching God work on me there. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And then let them be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. We represent Christ in our work and the, and the way people see us. So how is God working on you now to develop this these characteristics in your life even now? Greg, you're a senior pastor. This is a hard thing. It, are there any flaws, any any work that God's doing in your life even now? Uh, if you if you call my wife, <laughs> there, needs a, there needs to be a lot of work. Um, but the, I'm in a season of my life, I'm transitioning. Yeah. Um, my kids are getting older. Um, people looking at me in different ways at the church where I was a young pastor. Now I'm becoming more of a seasoned pastor as far as some of the other parishioners. And so some things I'm struggling with, I, patience is one of the one hard one for me. Because yeah. um, I, when I was younger, things came easy. Um, for me, I pray, you know, it seemed like I pray, it happens right away. And now with children and with younger people, they don't move as quick. Yeah. And so you, you got to be more patient when you're teaching. And, you're, and, you're, and, and the Lord has shown me a lot in that area, um, just even during this COVID season, what we're going through these last five months, just to be patient for and wait on God for some things. And that's I think that's one of my biggest weakness. But I also see that the Lord is working in that area in my yeah. life. Um, um, like I said, if you sit down and take a, a poll of my children and my wife, they probably could pull out a whole other lot, whole lot longer list. <laughs> but I think that's the one that I've really been laying at the Lord. And I, I really, I want to finish well. Yeah. I want to finish well. Wow. I've seen so many ministers and men yeah. don't finish well. They start off, they give their life to the Lord. They start well. Um, if I could tell a brief testimony, uh, I've learned more. I, we shared about who was uh, significant in our lives. But I've learned a lot about folk that failed. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I've had, I, <laughs> my, my uncles, <laughs> all three of them, waited till their kids basically was grown and remarried. And we remarried younger women. Yeah. And had children younger than mine when I was married yeah. at the time. 
and and I, and I sat back and I said, how could you do that? How could you hurt your children like that? And I just want to finish well. I want people to talk about me and talk about how well I started. And then when they put me in the grave, I said, man, he messed it all up at the end. Yeah. He just, I mean, and, and I've seen so many men that do that. And so I'm praying for the grace of God and the mercy of God to continue to be in my life. And that I also learn and to give, extend the grace yeah. and mercy of God to others so they can grow to become what they need to become. That's huge. And um, so, I'm, matter of fact, with my children at this stage age, and many of y'all already beyond me, uh, the guys, y'all around the table, y'all, many of y'all children are older than mine, but it, I'm learning the grace to let go yeah. and let God do. I've trained them. I've done my job. Now I'm learning the patience to let God do what he needs to do with my son. He's 24. My daughter's that's 20. And my youngest baby that's 17. And I'm watching God do some miraculous things in their lives. There you go. Good stuff. Todd, what comes you, to mind? You know, it, it's funny. Um, and you know this. Just recently I had a good friend pass away, actually, in the last two weeks. And yeah. I've been working with that family for the last couple of years. And I guess one of the things that, you know, it, it really come to light is um, – watching this guy's prayer life. Mm. Um, and I, I was going through some of his, uh, with his family, going through some of his uh, notebooks and everything. And, and this, this gentleman had a prayer list. It was just, I mean, it was ragged too, because he'd been using it for years and just wow. kept adding people to it. And it'd be a second page or whatever. And I realized that my prayer life is not nearly as strong as it should be. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I pray about things. Eh, pray for the food at the table, this, that, and the other. But just get real, just get real about prayer uh, is probably the, the thing that I fall through on the most. And Greg, you talked about my, you know, your wife. My my wife has really taken that on this past year of really being a more fervent prayer person. Amen. And that, you know, it, the example should be the other way around. Mm. Yeah. And um, I goofed. I've goofed this up. And, you know, so I, I'm playing a little catch up right now. Uh, but uh, I think that's the one thing that I think that's been the, the, the thing that's awakened me here in the last, well, in the last several months and, and so forth is just Amen. having a much stronger prayer life and, and being faithful that God's going to answer those prayers. Might might be the answers we want, but he's going to answer them, Amen. you know? Amen. So. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. David? Well, I mean, these guys took mine. <laughs> well, no, if I, you would have asked, I, I would have gave you it, okay. Dave. I mean, just saying. Yeah. So, you want to call Amy? No, no, no. Oh, no. I think she's, Greg's, Greg's list would be shorter than, my, than the one she had. I, you know, the thing that has really hit me is that uh, uh, through a, di a number of different studies uh, that I've been asked to be in and those types of things, um, I've come across Job mm. on several occasions. Wow. And the thing that I've been learning right now that I that is really uh, is that I'll call it prayer, but God wants us to talk with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even when we're upset. Mm. You know, so it you know, growing up and through your life, you think that prayer is this this beautiful thing and and it is, but God wants you to talk to him. And that's that's what I've been learning is is God wants you to talk to him in the good and the bad. Um, and then the other difficult piece is sometimes you just got to. And we said it last time during during our uh, during our board meeting. 
sometimes you just got to shut up and listen. Yeah. <laughs> and and that really is what I've learned from Job is that God wants you to talk with him. But then he also wants you to just sit back. And sometimes he wants you to wait. But most importantly, he wants you to listen. And if you're, if you're trying to do stuff and, and all that kind of stuff, you're not going to be able to listen. And so that's tough for me because I'm a doer. Yeah. I like to get stuff on my list, get it off my list. I've got to, I've got to talk more and I've got to listen more to God. Yeah. Wow. Rich, what comes to mind? The same thing. You know, it's, it's funny. We're all kind of talking about the same thing. It's spiritual laziness is what I'm wow. battling right now. You didn't have to get yeah. that They're, simple with it. Yeah. I mean, that, well, it hurts. It is. I mean, <laughs> Two-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I can read my Bible on a regular basis, yeah. but my, my prayer life, mm-hmm. not praying for myself, pray, praying specifically for things. Right. I mean, just this week, it's been um, something that has come to my heart that I haven't done in a long time asking people what can I pray for hmm. and just just yesterday I started doing that and I just why haven't I been doing that every time and God honors that as soon as you start doesn't he yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. It just, so it's that plain and simple spiritual laziness that's wow that's uncomfortable <laughs> Jeff what you got for up. us I need a sit up or two um, <laughs> I think in I think where we are right now um God has really been speaking to me about him, Hmm. his will, his desire. What he wants is more important than what you want or what anybody else wants. And it may not look or feel like what um, you think it should look or feel like or what everyone else looking at you would think it should look and feel like but if that is what God's will is you have to submit and look this is the thing that that always captures me because we always talk about our kids we talk about Mm -hmm. our wives we ask them to do things that in some instances we're not willing to do Hmm. God is asking you to submit to him if things around you are not being in submission to you it's because you're not in submission to him and um, I just think God has really, in this pandemic season, you know, as as we're making different decisions about how to move, some of which you may not agree with, some of which you may, um, but God is saying, what am I saying to you? Mm-hmm. Not, what, not what, you know, your group is saying, not what your campus is saying, not what your pastor is saying. What is God telling you in this season? Hmm. And how are you to react? And then finally, I'll say this. Changing myself. Um, And we talked about, you know, being silent to hear from God the last time. But my daughter gave me a huge revelation this week. I love it because, you know, I don't often see how bad I am. And I know I'm really bad, (laughs) but I don't often see it. But she used the exact right words. She's like, Dad, you know, by trade, you're a really good project manager and you, I, I hear you, and you get a lot of stuff done. He said, but you come home, and you try to project manage us. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> I could have crawled in the corner right there. <laughs> but, but that was a fact, right? Yeah. And it's like, um, 
who who said it like take your ha- uh, um, take your hands off yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know I baptized my daughter so I know you know yeah so I don't have to micromanage you I don't mm-hmm. have to project amen. manage you amen I have amen. to take my hand off and trust that God is going to do exactly what he promised me when we were standing in the pool together amen yeah amen and that's what he's trying to tell you. Yeah. Get back to me so that all of the things that are on your heart, I already know them. Yeah. So why are you touching what is mine? Amen. Lay it on the altar. Let me deal with it and give me the glory when it's done. Amen. Amen. Give him the well, glory when it's done. Amen. That's a Amen. good word. Amen. Well, my goodness, we could go around this table <laughs> multiple times. Guys, if, if nothing else is you're listening to this, I hope you've heard the hearts of these men and why I am so drawn to them and, and the laughter around this table. It really is just a fun group. And so God's brought us together. God's allowed us to encourage each other and sharpen each other and challenge each other. And he's given us the stewardship of this ministry called Noble Warriors. Um, whereby we are hopefully encouraging and resourcing and challenging churches and pastors and ministry leaders. So pray for us. Um, and if you've got anything you need to be prayed for specifically, Rich or someone here, we, let us know. Let us pray for you guys. Um, and then finally, I'm just uh, I'm so thankful. So Greg and Todd and David and Rich and Jeff, thank you for your investments in this ministry, for your time, for your energy, for your prayers, for your support and encouragement. And uh, we're going to look forward to seeing the ministry grow. We've got some cool things going on in the future. Um, But guys, uh, listen, this was episode number 23. Uh, During the month of September, we're going to focus on the noble man lives a life of sexual integrity. So uh, be on the lookout for a series of podcasts and guests that are going to talk about sexual integrity. This is a key issue in the lives of so many of us. And so we want to bring this to light and give you some help on how to walk and live in a way that is honoring to the Lord with your sexuality. So tune in for next time, and we will look forward to seeing you. God bless you, man.